We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. It's Sam Adams. We're constantly improving who we are, what we do, and how we brew. We may craft over 60 styles of beer, but it's Boston Lager that has captured the heart of America since 1984. With its deep amber color, caramel notes, and signature hop character, what better to have in your pint glass? Sam Adams Boston Lager. Pursue better. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry 
today. It's Friday, September 18th. Happy birthday to my lovely wife, who will never listen to this podcast, even though I wish her a happy birthday on it anyway. Derek Van Riper <laughs> here with Mario Puig. Going to recap the Thursday game, check in on some key injuries, get ready for the week two DraftKings Millie Maker. That is my life this time of year. Like the million, my, my life revolves not around my wife, who of course is still not listening to this podcast, but it revolves around the Millionaire Maker. Yeah, and it's 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 all about you know the defense, the t- the flex. I'm I'm more focused on that than my own mother's birthday recently. Uh, it was three days ago. Yeah, so. you still haven't got the gift taken care of yet. Yeah, I'll go call her after this. I, I guess yeah. <laughs> three days later. No, I called her. But uh, happy belated yeah. birthday, mom! Uh, I was busy setting my lineups the last three days. Yeah, yeah. Back back to what's important though. Algorithm stuff. Uh, this podcast is now available for subscription on iTunes and Stitcher. It's been there for quite some time. If you're listening to us on one of those platforms, any platform where you can leave us a nice review. You know, we really appreciate that uh, if you do it. Uh, we will actually wish your mother a happy birthday if you leave us a nice review. Just make sure you let us know you did it. And, and give we, us, give we us only number. say happy birthday through Twitter, so uh, sign up your mom's account. Please. Right. The Twitter handle would be, would be preferred. I really don't want to have to make a lot of calls, like tens of thousands of happy birthday calls to anonymous mothers. My probably bu- get my, me in trouble. My burner can't do it, so it's a non-starter here. Fair enough. Let's look at that Thursday night game. Broncos 31-24 winners over the Chiefs. Broncos scoring twice in the span of nine seconds late in the game. That's just how it works. TD and then run play fumble return for TD. Uh, Peyton Manning 26-45, 256 yards, a robust 5.7 yards per attempt. Three TDs, one pick, three sacks. Looks like a wounded animal in the pocket, but led the Broncos to that game-tying drive and do you ever really want to bet against Peyton Manning? I mean, even if he's not a top five or top seven QB anymore, he's still going to be better than your your other like twelve to fifteen range options most week. Like, don't you feel better about Peyton Manning even in his current state than say Eli Manning? No, actually, I don't know. I but I, I also I, I'm having trouble looking at the recent data, the recent film, and having the proper perspective on it because, like, pretty much everybody who saw. Not only week one, but last night still. Like he just looks awful to me. Like Something's even wrong. Like, his legs don't look right. Yeah, I have no idea what it is. Like he he still sees the field well, obviously, but it's like even his even his good throws yesterday. There were a bunch of them where it was like, wow, great read, perfect timing, and uh, the ball still just like crawls through the air. And Demarius Thomas high points it with three guys right next to him. Is like that can't be sustainable right or he reaches back to like pull it away from a defender i mean we saw that from Emmanuel sanders too it just seemed like those those guys made him look good yeah and they're gonna be that's the thing as long as they are healthy i feel like his floor is quite a bit higher if he he, loses one of those guys they don't have a third receiver right now who you feel good about stepping up and they're a team that you know at first when julius thomas left for jacksonville i thought well they could just plug in some other veteran tight end and it'll be fine I don't think it's going to be fine. I don't think leaning on Owen Daniels or Virgil Green is something the Broncos really want to do. Right, and to be fair to Peyton, uh, most matchups will be a little, at least a little easier than playing at Arrowhead against that defense. But yeah, I don't know. He's he's obviously a football genius, but he's going to have to make his like best reads, best anticipations ever in his career to stay afloat, even because the, the the tools just don't seem to be there at all. 
Awful uh, here also is the Broncos running game. C.J. Anderson dealing with turf toe, 12 carries, 27 yards. Ronnie Hillman, 9 carries, 34 yards. I mean, if they can't run the ball effectively, it just puts even more pressure on Manning. It increases the volume. Though the, the X factor here is that Broncos defense. I mean, the Broncos defense through the first two games looks potentially elite. I mean, they sacked Alex Smith four times. They picked him off twice in just 25 attempts. Their pass rush is absolutely fierce. If they stay healthy on that side of the ball, that could actually just carry them to a 9 or 10 win season alone. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I cannot believe you just called a Wade Phillips defense potentially elite. Like it's it the question is is, is it the best? Well, Wade is amazing. Wade, Wade Wade is elite. Wade is the god and he's got Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, he's got like Derek Wolf is suspended I think these first 4 games. Like he's normally their their snap leader at defensive line. He's going to be back pretty soon. Um. Yeah. Wade. Wade's just great with pass rushes, and he has his problem. He's he's had you know Pat Swilling and Ricky Jackson in New Orleans, and then in Dallas he had Ware and and uh, what's Anthony Spencer. This still could be the best one he's ever had because Von Miller's generational talent to Marcus Ware. Obviously he's like thirty one, thirty two now, but he's still very very formidable player, and Wade's just the best at getting edge pressure. Amazingly, among many things, Wade Phillips' father's name was Bum Bum Phillips. I like that. That was a birth name? That's the listed name on the Google. Um, I like Wade Phillips so much that I would stoop to the level of an American adjunct lager just to have a beer with him. Like I would drink a watered-down, lousy, mass-produced American beer if I could drink that beer with Wade Phillips. Um, yeah, I, I love Wade. Uh, he, he had a tweet like a year or two ago where he said he tried to say the word, or maybe he did this deliberately, I don't know, but he said commentators... And he spelled it out as in like a a not unusual tater, like a, a common tater, common tater, like T A T E R space in between common and tater. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I guess the reason they called him Bum Bum Phillips this is is because his first name is O A L O A I L. Yeah. Well, Wade Phillips on Twitter is at Son of Bum. If you're looking to find him, and it's verified, it's definitely Wade Phillips. Oh yeah, Phillips. that's it. His most recent tweet came on September 13th. Proud of Ord, double hyphen. They really stepped up. I guess that's an M dash for for the you know he's using M dashes, but uh, not not tweet. proofreading his own tweets. That's a good tweet though. I love Wade Phillips. NFL M dash exciting games dash high or low scoring. Uh, I'm on board, but yeah, uh, the, the Wade defense will remain elite there. But uh, I'm 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 kind of a Peyton hater at this point, or at least hating his, his slow feet and stupid shoulder or whatever it is that's causing a problem. I'm very grateful that I have no shares. One other Wade Phillips tweet that I have to pass along. This one dated from September 7th. NFL season begins hyphen quote Apple Corps. Apple Corps? What does that mean? I'm getting out of my seat. Yeah, you have to come view this. Like, what? What is he trying to say right there? NFL season begins quote Apple Corps. Is this a computer tweet? <laughs> There's seeds inside? I, I you, have can, no, I, you can I, plant I'm it; it'll grow a tree. I have no idea what that means. Oh. I, well, we'll we'll try to get a comment from him on this and give it along to you guys. Friend of the podcast, Wade Phillips at Son of Bum on Twitter. We would love to get him on as a guest. We will reach out to the Broncos media personnel and see if that's possible. I wonder what that means. It seems so deep. And the, the amazing thing about Wade Phillips is that you get 140 characters per tweet. He averages like 35. Yeah, he uh, he says big things without many words. 
that's amazing. That's that's just the mastery of the English language. I, I love Wade Phillips. Again, one of my favorite coordinators in the league. Probably my favorite coordinator in the league right now. Chiefs offense mentioned Alex Smith. Rough night for him. Jamal Charles, 21 carries, 125 yards and a touchdown. Lost two fumbles. One, of course, in the final 30 seconds. Andy Reid's game management in this one very much in question. They take they're inside their own twenty or inside Has that their own twenty five. Oh, it, has, yeah. Has someone questioned his game management? Yeah. What do you think, Philly fans? You ever uh, you ever <laughs> been upset about Andy Reid's game management? Uh, Nile Davis took a late TD. He only had three carries for nine yards, but he had what was at the time I think the go ahead touchdown for the Chiefs late in the fourth quarter before the the Manning led drive to tie it up, and then of course the Charles fumble. Uh, that was recovered and run back for a touchdown that gave the Broncos the win. Travis Kelsey returns to uh, mere mortal status, four catches, 58 yards on five targets. Alex Smith only throws it 25 times. Hard to imagine Kelsey getting much more than that. Do you worry about Kelsey in the sense that this Chiefs passing game can be so inconsistent, or is this kind of an anomaly based on how good that Broncos defense really is? Um, No, I think that was just a, a a sample size issue, like 25 passes, He's he's getting a fifth of the targets. I don't know. Like uh, he'll 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 do better than that a lot of games. But uh, he, he Kelsey going back to last year just catches so many of his targets, averages so much yardage per target. I I think he's like right under like he's not quite at Gronk level obviously, but it, I guess I might pick him next if I was just picking a tight end in the NFL. So he, he's he's so good. Yeah, I think in terms of like building a team and picking a tight end, that's where he'd be. And then I think in fantasy, it's still Kelsey versus Graham for me. I think that's a legitimate debate depending on usage. I think that's the issue. Both the Chiefs and the Seahawks are teams that probably won't have extreme volume each and every week. Let's get to some injury items that we're keeping an eye on. Uh, Chris Ivory, who helped make us money last week, uh, hurt his groin during practice. And it's possible he'll actually miss this game what? Monday against the Colts. This seems like it's gotten a little worse. Like when I first read about the injury on Thursday, I thought, okay, well, Chris Ivory got an extra day with the Monday night game. Seems to be in legitimate jeopardy of possibly missing that. Kind of wipes him off the slate as a possible bargain option on DraftKings. We'll see if we get more information on Saturday regarding his likely availability. Is there someone else you would like in that Jets backfield if Ivory is in fact ruled out? Well, I guess Powell, Bilal Powell, will be next in line if Ivory must sit because uh, he, he's like their third down back anyway. He he had 12 carries last week, I want to say. So Chan Gailey apparently likes him a decent amount. They made Zach Stacy a healthy scratch, so let's not talk about Zach Stacy. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so so Powell can catch the ball. He's He's like totally adequate in most areas. He's obviously not explosive. He's not big. He's not overpowering, but he's... He's one of those guys who, you know, there have been worse players than him who have made, uh, put up relevant stats at running back just because of, you know, the replaceability of the position. So if if Ivory's out, Powell's like way up on my list, especially in PPR scoring. And I'm thinking about the work Carlos Williams did against the Colts in week one, not so much LaShawn McCoy, who was bottled up pretty effectively. But I think you can run a bit on that Colts defense. And if you look at Bilal Powell, $3,000 $3,000 on DraftKings. Could he be, could he be this week's Benny Cunningham? Well, we, we don't know. It's, it's a little, it's a little, there's a lot more risk in this case, actually, because it's a Monday game. So there's, there's an, if, if you guess wrong, uh, you, hopefully you can afford ivory on that team. Uh, well, I, I need, what I need is I need Jay Glazer to come out on Saturday and say in all caps, Chris Ivory is not playing today. Like that's, that's what I, or Monday. 
that that's what I need Jay Glazer to do for me because he doesn't miss on stuff like that. So if if he could provide that clarity between now and early kick on Sunday, that would be great. On the other hand, I think he only drops you know the boulders that he's lifting to to text or tweet out these things when it's something really big like Namdi Asamoah signing. Like Bilal Powell might be a little too low on the 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 care meter. I will ship Jay Glazer an elk femur if he gives me that information prior to kickoff on Sunday. <laughs> I'm sure he would appreciate that, but uh, his his integrity cannot be compromised by s- such femur offerings. Well, in about 53 minutes, I'm going to go ahead and Google elk femur and try to figure out where I can buy such a thing if needed. Golden Tate has been limited in practice this week. He is dealing with a quad injury. <sighs> he had a disappointing week one. It's hard to know if this actually had something to do with it I I think the volume is going to be there most weeks for the Lions they open up that big lead against the Chargers we saw Megatron get just four targets as well assuming that Tate is ready to go here on Sunday is there any reservation about rolling him out there well he was limited as of yesterday Uh, I don't know if we have the practice reports for today and if he's limited in Thursday I'm not really that worried about him uh, especially if he logs a full Friday but uh, Tate's obviously a pretty tough guy and he's 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 really good uh, I don't think his quarterback is very good and I don't think the Lions are very well managed on offense but Tate's really good so he, he's pretty much always in play for me especially in PPR scoring I haven't looked at his prices yet but uh, yeah I, I, I'm kind of thinking they gotta force feed Calvin the ball this week because the, it's just a disgrace that they don't do it anyway even so. against Xavier Rhodes <clears throat> It just, I mean, he is Calvin Johnson. Like, right. I, 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 it's, he's not the kind of player where it's like, ooh, but he's got a tough matchup. Maybe let's try to free up uh, Corey Fuller here or something. Like, yeah. I, mean, I just think that if, if the Lions have any real concern about Xavier Rhodes, like Tate would get the extra targets, but I, I don't think you have to treat Megatron like that against anybody. He's, he's the most difficult wide receiver to match up with in the league, potentially. I mean, maybe he's still... Probably Julio these like days. Julio now has passed him. Yeah, maybe like, Mike Evans, when healthy, right. presents some Well, Mike issues. Evans is the next Megatron, uh, or the current, maybe. I don't know. But Megatron is still a beast. Like he's Everyone was saying he looked great in training camp. He still was really good last year when he played healthy. It just didn't happen very often. We're like two years removed from, like what, a top three all-time receiver season from him, so... I don't know. It's it's a weakness of the Lions that they don't scheme better, that they that they don't force him the ball. Like if you gave the same thing with I'd say like Des at Dallas. Like if if you took him, Calvin Johnson, let Todd Haley have control of them. Like there's no doubt in my mind they're putting up bigger numbers than Antonio Brown does. But he like no not all offensive, not any coach in the league generally actually is is pragmatic enough and just kind of data-based reasoning enough to spot you know inefficiencies in their thinking like that so I'm not I'm not expecting Calvin Johnson to win on anything but his own like dominant merits but uh, I think it's I think it's this week is as good of a time as any it's it's just a matter of just throwing in the stupid ball the annoying thing about Calvin Johnson though is that he took what would have been perhaps my best week ever on DraftKings and made it just like a very good one which still this last week yeah like week one was week one could have been like outstanding for me like four or five figure payouts instead of you know three figure payouts which I'll still take that I'm okay with that but his quiet game in week one one of those things that just that was the missing thing that was the roster spot I didn't get enough from in week one the Bills are saying they may have pushed LaShawn McCoy too hard in week one 
just 17 carries, 41 yards against the Colts, caught three balls for 46 yards. So 20 touches for a guy coming off a hamstring injury. He is listed as questionable after being limited in practice on Friday. Are you concerned the Bills dial back those touches to the maybe 10 or 12 range and lean a little more heavily on Carlos Williams? I don't know what exactly to expect. I think we can. I, I think the one thing we can expect is Buffalo maybe a, trying a little too hard to get Watkins involved after not having him catch a pass in Week One, which is stupid. I mean, but it's 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 what you kind of expect from Rex Ryan football, and that trade up for Sammy Watkins was entirely ill conceived. <clears throat> excuse me, all along. But uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that owners kind of nudge you about. Like, hey. Uh, did, did you see that guy we traded two first round picks for? Is, what's what's his role in the game plan this week? Like, oh yeah, okay, we'll, we'll get him something. Uh, like Harvin last week, I think they'll try a little too hard to get more slant screens to Watkins. Um, but yeah, otherwise, if I mean both Watkins and Harvin can run with the ball, maybe they get carries. If McCoy is truly limited, I don't know what to think about McCoy. I mean, they gave him enough of a workload last week that you would think that they took him for you know at least sufficient health level uh i don't i don't they didn't mention a specific setback so i don't know why that would be different this week but he he obviously wasn't that effective so maybe the smart thing would do, to do would be to scale back his volume a little bit give a little more to carlos williams at least as long as williams is running as explosively as he was in week one but it's it's just a lot of conditional things it's really hard to guess how that'll go and even if it even if you do predict the volume of the workload right that's still a bad matchup i mean the the patriots they they change their personnel every game pretty much but they if they want to uh they can put a lot of mass up in that front seven um like dante hightower jamie collins on the edges those guys can just as easily set the edge and pursue sideline to sideline as they can you know rip your quarterback's head off on the outside blitz so i think they're gonna go heavier this game than they did in the last but uh yeah i'm, I'm not optimistic about either running game in that one metaphorical toaster oven percy harvin had the long td reception in this one uh, is he gonna just disappoint everybody in week two I mean, yep. we've been disappointed by percy harvin so many times that i feel like he played just well enough to hook in the people who weren't quite ready to give up on him yeah that that's me most times but i'm, I'm not doing it this time i'm yeah. not i'm not gonna get burned by percy harvin i'm not i'm actually not targeting like if if i do pick anyone in that game it'll be like carlos williams at a really low price or Gronkowski, but I, that's it. Yeah, I'm with you on Carlos Williams. I'm kind of intrigued at his price. He's 3300 Could be a nice flex option for if, you. If we hear, you know, it's it's not some good news on McCoy Sunday morning, that's the kind of thing that can uh, move the needle, as they say. Yes, as they say, move the needle, uh, impact the meter, perhaps, depending on uh, which Change column you're Change the air pressure. Right. The, the original barometer from from a current build to a former one cj spiller in we'll see mode as far as whether or not he's going to play this according to saints coach sean payton spiller of course returning from a knee surgery arthroscopic knee surgery it seems like he's still kind of working his way back into game shape so even if he were to play i don't know how many touches he'll actually get this is a game that you look at saints i think are favored by 10 you'd expect it to get out of hand if Spiller doesn't go, and he was limited to practice on Thursday, we'll see if we get a report from Friday here in the next little while. If he's able to go in any capacity, I'm not optimistic. And if he if he doesn't play, I think Kyrie Robinson is sort of interesting as one of those other like backup running backs who should get touches. Yeah, I might have just lost all my interest in Carlos Williams because I just looked and Kyrie is 3,000. Uh, he caught... 
he got like seven targets last week in the receiving game. That's crazy. Like maybe you guys should have gotten another pass catcher if if uh, the entire replacement plan for Jimmy Graham was you know running backs just throw it to Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Uh, so that that doesn't seem like it'll be something that happens twice. But another thing that won't happen twice is Robinson averaging two point four yards per carry. So against that Tampa defense, which doesn't look good, the team is so bad. Uh, I think I think I'm gonna guess anyway. Spiller's gonna sit out, even if he does play. I don't think they have much reason to use him. So I think Kerry Robinson will see the field quite a bit this week. So I, I definitely am gonna have some of him. I think. Yeah, I'd like him a lot at that price. Kiri Robinson, not Kyrie. It's Kyrie Irving's fault. It's all his fault. Yeah, and I just I'm intolerant of learning things, so I, it's I've probably been taught this before. That's a solid stance, Jordan Reed. Uh, taking part in individual drills during Friday's practice. He popped up on the injury report this week with a quadriceps injury. We'll see if that impacts him at all on Sunday. Seems like it's not a big deal, but it's just par for the course for Reed, who has like, so really good physical tools. And with Deshaun Jackson down for a few weeks, seemingly is in position to see like eight to ten targets each and every week. Yeah, that's really frustrating that he's hurt again. Um, hopefully, it really is minor because he had eleven targets last week, and with Deshaun Jackson out, that's a that's a number that could happen twice in a row. Uh, and we know from his past performances that if he gets targets, he's likely to do something with them. So, yeah, he's if 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 he's if he's totally cool for that game, then he's in play for me because I double digit targets would not surprise at all. Let's talk Rams here. Todd Gurley update for you. He uh, would have been a full participant if the Rams had practiced on Thursday, which is kind of like me saying I would have flown if I were a bird yesterday. But which is true. I mean, I would have. Like I would have. I would have flown because that's what birds do. Uh, once the Friday injury report comes out, we'll have more clarity. I, I don't. Think, I don't want to use Gurley in week two because I thought it would take at least week four, or week five before he'd be ready to go. The Rams should have Benny Cunningham available as per usual. I mean, he's healthy coming out of last week. And Trey Mason's also likely to be able to play too. So I, I think Gurley's return is exciting for those who have him in a season-long setting. But I can't trust him in Week 2 if he is, in fact, active and somehow a part of that game plan. I, I guess I could be missing something, but he's not in play at all for me because they don't need him. They, they're playing a stupid Washington team that isn't very good. Uh, they, they have reason to have optimism in their offense in general after Nick Foles did well against the Seahawks not that I believe that performance really but Washington's secondary is still quite bad um anyway Trey Mason's ready to go and Benny Cunningham is obviously ready to go there's no need to bring Gurley in like those two are good running backs like there's or or at least they are adequate for the the reasonable goals of most offenses like obviously there's a lot of running backs and they're not unique and they're not valuable really but Trey Mason Cunningham totally good there's no reason to play Gurley a new injury has popped up for Elshon Jeffrey previously dealt with a calf injury fully practiced Wednesday and Thursday but then was held out of practice Friday due to a hamstring injury according to John Fox Jeffrey is day-to-day and questionable for Sunday's game against the Cardinals they're describing the injury as tightness so probably just the Bears being extra careful but enough for me to stay away from Jeffrey in the daily space i think in season long you still probably have to roll him out there as long as he's active man if 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 that if that gets reported on sunday that he's in for sure i don't i think i might go with him a little bit anyway just because i this, low ownership maybe well not just that but i, I like the matchup for him I, I think he's really good player and he's getting a lot of targets uh 
the Cardinals might throw more than usual, which I think will equate to more point probability than if they had been like, let's get Andre Ellington some carries. Uh, I hope they're not dumb enough to just run Chris Johnson into a wall over and over. I, I hope they see why it's better to throw to Fitz and John Brown and even Mal- Michael Floyd than it is uh, giving it to Chris Johnson. Not that I'd it'd be stupid to assume they'll do that. But anyway, he's, he's just not that expensive relative to his prominence in the offense. He, he's going to get so many targets if he's on the field. But yeah, this, this to me just at a glance looks like uh, you know John Fox doing his best to proverbially point his shotgun at people on his lawn i don't know nice i like it fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting week two DraftKings will be hosting the biggest fantasy football contest ever giving out over 10 million dollars in prizes go to draftkings.com now and enter the promo code rotowire to play for free for your shot at one million dollars in cash prizes that's promo code rotowire for free entry now with your first deposit at draftkings.com this isn't fantasy as usual this is DraftKings. welcome to the big time going to start building our week two lineups here looking at each position looking at each matchup and kind of breaking it down let's start a quarterback it's where things often begin Aaron Rodgers home on Sunday night against Seattle $8,300 he is the most expensive quarterback on the board on DraftKings I have to ask you this though after seeing the Seahawks defense get picked apart by Nick Foles with basically no receiving core in week one does the absence of Cam Chancellor give you some confidence in Rodgers in that matchup against the Seahawks? I, I don't know how how stupid this is of me, but I am like drunk on Rodgers' optimism this week. I, I think he's my top play pretty easily. Uh, like normally I might have kind of gravita- gravitated toward a Tony Romo at you know 7100 going against the Eagles who still have a bad secondary. Uh, but Des being out, that that definitely moves me off a bit. Uh Brady he's not at home he's going against Rex Ryan don't really care I guess Drew Brees is the most comparable play for me but I don't think he's very good anymore and I his the team around him as far as pass catchers is not good there's no obvious touchdown scorer in that in that receiver rotation like Brandon Cooks might be their best chance at scoring a touchdown and he's like what like five nine and like seven eighths or something uh I don't know I I don't I don't think Breeze is that great of like a ceiling play relative to his price. Uh, but I mean, I guess there's not much of a spectrum here. 8,300 at Rogers is the most uh, down to Bradford. It's like 6,900. That's 1,400 from like one to, you know, 15, 16, something like that. Uh, but yeah, Rogers is my favorite play. And if I wasn't picking him, I might drop all the way down to, you know, Bradford at 6,900 Carson Palmer at 6,700. I like yeah, I like Palmer at sixty seven hundred. I'm glad you brought him up. And the Bears secondary looks pretty weak. I think there's some issues there, even as they try to upgrade their personnel on that side of the ball and, and improve the scheme a bit too. Uh, you're looking at Brady at seventy five hundred. It's on the road at Buffalo. I don't feel Not at great all. about that. Nope. Matt Ryan outside of Atlanta at seventy four hundred. Not a bad matchup against the Giants, but I, I just like using Matt Ryan so much more at home yeah. than on the road. Russell Wilson on the road against Green Bay, maybe a little more interesting. Too. I like him a little bit because if 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 I'm not totally wrong about Rodgers putting up points, then Seattle doesn't really have much of a choice but to start throwing the ball. And hopefully they, by the way, not to go totally off topic, hopefully they get some more snaps for Tyler Lockett because he's the best ever. Um, yeah, he's he's a uh, Russell Wilson's probably like my third quarterback in a vacuum. 
but yeah, relative to these salaries, he's probably like my fourth choice after Rodgers, Palmer, Bradford, or maybe like tied with Bradford as I don't know, something like that. Yeah, Cam Newton with no receivers nope. at 7,200 against Houston. He's home. That's a, nope. that's going to be a no. Ben Roethlisberger also at 7,200 home against San Francisco. I don't know what to make of San Francisco after that Monday night game against the Vikings. Their O-line was ripping open huge holes for Carlos Hyde and their defense. It kept what I thought would be a good Minnesota offense really in check. Yeah, I, I really don't know what to make of that either. Weird stuff happens in week one. We know that, and... Uh, if I remember right, actually, San Francisco has had some really fast starts in the last two week ones. I think they killed Dallas last year in Green Bay two years ago. Is that right? Uh, and in neither case, I mean, the, the, the two years ago, they obviously did well. But last year, they just imploded not long afterward, whereas Dallas became like one of the better teams. But yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what to make of that. I'm generally not inclined to think that any defense in particular is... You know, outside of an obviously elite one like the Seahawks of past years or you know the Ravens of years ago outside of teams like that I don't think Roethlisberger is really going to be totally slowed by anyone really uh, it's, it's obviously a concern that Martavis Bryant is still out but I, I think Steelers will do a lot better it's in Pittsburgh obviously I'm not super high on most 49ers and I think that Carlos Hyde's huge week one um, and the people that will consequently flock to him uh, I think the ownership surge is enough to move me off him until he proves it a bit more, but that's just me. Price is really low. It's like 5,100, oh. I think. I mean, it's insane. Well, I'll, I'll get like a little exposure to him then, but I mean, there's a lot of cheap running backs. I mean, uh, n- not to hopefully totally go off the the rails of the subject here, but I mean, Mark Ingram at 59, I much prefer that going against Tampa Bay, especially if CJ Spiller is out like we think he'll be. Uh, Lamar Miller at 5,500, I like a lot for a bounce back. People are going to move off him after i mean the the dolphins will always mismanage him let me be clear they don't know what they're doing um but lamar miller is really good jacksonville's a good bet to turn the ball over give some short fields so i like lamar miller at 5500 but yeah 5100 is very cheap for hyde so I'll, I'll have to get a little bit of him in there because it's it's a it's objectively a pretty good value looking a little bit further down here i mean colin kaepernick at 6600 if the steelers can put up points against the niners maybe there's some tournament appeal there joe flacco no receivers at 6400 but he goes against oakland which you look back at what andy dalton did last week you have to at least have to think about it even if you don't necessarily want to build around him it's you can't just ignore him at that price because that seems like a pretty fair spot um beyond these guys i mean teddy bridgewater at 6400 against the lions he's at home really hard to invest in the minnesota passing game though after the egg they laid on monday night how about tyrod taylor the week two price only 1200 more than he cost in week one i don't really like it just because i'm still afraid of the new england pass rush i know it didn't seem to show up that much and dominique easily their defensive tackle is probably going to be out for this game but I'm still really afraid of Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower, Chan- Chandler Jones. Those guys are really good. Uh, Ninkovich can obviously play too. So I don't, I don't have super high hopes for Tyrod Taylor, especially because I, I don't think Buffalo is ever going to try to open up his volume at all. I think they're going to try to keep him limited to you know pl- throwing off the run threat and you know hope hopefully they open up the running game a little bit more even because he can burn but uh yeah i mean if we're dropping uh, under palmer in the price range i think i'd just go all the way down to like kaepernick maybe maybe even uh you know gpp type consideration but uh fitzpatrick i don't know he's going against 
Going against the Colts, who can at least theoretically kind of push the scoreboard a bit. It's in Indianapolis. Fitzpatrick can run a bit. That gives him a bit of a floor. He's got two good receivers. I don't know. I heard he went to Harvard, too. I don't know if that's true, though. I haven't uh, been able to verify that. thought I heard that somewhere. No, he didn't. Yeah. Uh, that must have been some other guy. It's false. Andy Dalton, 5,800 home against the Chargers. I like Andy Dalton's weapons. We saw Tyler Eifert break out in week one. He's still got A.J. Green. He's got Marvin Jones. He's got Muhammad Sanu. He's got two backs that are capable of catching passes and contributing. I mean, I just feel like the Andy Dalton ownership's always low. It's the, it's the anti-gingite movement, as the men in blazers would call it, where people just don't seem to trust him. Maybe it's the red hair. I don't, I don't really know. Marcus Mariota at 6,000 going on the road to Cleveland, I think, could be a nice spot, too. I mean, 25 fantasy points last week on DraftKings, uh, mostly in first half yeah. damage against the Bucks. Four TD passes in the first half. Not going to be Not sure where the edge is with him. Like, I, I love Mariota, and it, it seems like a favorable matchup. But on the other hand, uh, they might just kind of stick to the run game because they can probably bet on Cleveland giving them some short fields. If, if I, I still have the faith in Manziel, people, like I am the only Manziel fan left in the world, but uh, I think they're the surrounding uh, team, both in terms of scheme tactics and certainly the surrounding personnel is just garbage of the most rancid sort. So I've got the I've got the choice for my second quarterback spot this week in the Stopel Law Firm League between Johnny Manziel and Ryan Mallett. Oh, Manziel, not even close. Yeah, that's what I've got. I've got Manziel in the lineup, but uh, reasonable. interesting that both have been named the starter officially. Josh McCollin's still going through the concussion protocol. Shockingly, after getting blasted in the head. It seemed like such a good idea at the time to dive into that, you know, just death zone. You should always dive headfirst towards the goal line. That's always a good decision. It was also just, like, managing to... He got, like, perfectly into that propeller and just, like, spun exactly sideways, like... That was that was kind of beautiful aside from the head trauma. There's an episode of uh, the animated show The Oblongs where Bob Oblong, voiced by Will Ferrell, he has no arms or legs. He's just like this little, like, I don't know, like a... Like an oblong? Well, an oblong is a good way to describe him because he is an oblong. But he ends up in this, like, midget throwing contest at a bar. Not He's not throwing the midgets. He's the projectile being thrown. And uh, it looked just like that. Like he was completely, that actually, yeah. completely parallel to the ground. Just got drilled in the head. So we'll see where where McCown's at. But I, Manziel plays well this week. I think he just takes the job for good and, and hopefully runs with it. Uh, we'll see what we get here from some of these other bottom end quarterbacks. I mean Manziel for for tournament purposes fifty one hundred or fifty two hundred rather. Uh, McCown at fifty one hundred for some reason. Mallet's fifty one hundred as well. If you really want to go cheap, but. I don't know if that's necessarily a good no. idea given the quality Mallet, options that are. Mallet can't a run for more. a garbage time touchdown like Manziel can. Mallet has DeAndre Hopkins though, and I'm beginning to think DeAndre Hopkins is one of the most underrated receivers. Oh in the yeah, league he's right awesome. Now. He's awesome. Let's move on to the running back position. AP at the top, along with Matt Forte at 7,700. Forte looked pretty good in Week One, but I also think Green Bay's run defense may just be awful. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that either. I do think Forte is really good. I thought he looked quite good in that game, but it's I don't think he'll find it as easy to run against Arizona. Arizona will at least scheme to stop him more than Green Bay probably did. But yeah, that like that that's that's a tough price to pay, especially when there's, you know, a Jeremy Hill at 7400. I'm I don't know what to make of DeMarco Murray this week. I that last that first game is just the stupidest I can't explain how that happened, but they had to get I, away from the volume because they were down. Yeah, yeah. 
So I I don't think that's going to happen again. I'm probably going to still – I got burned a bit doing it last week. I targeted Murray a lot last week, but I think I'm going to do it again. He scored twice, though. That's yeah, the amazing yeah. thing. I mean, he, he had like 12 yards from scrimmage or 15 yards from scrimmage, but he scored twice. But in, And yet the tone around him is so negative because there's like – you know, the everybody watching a nationally televised game at once on Twitter screaming about how like, he's got less yards than – you know, whatever. Yeah. He had that minus nine Jay Culler outrushed him this week. Yeah. So – trade him for anyway all the the people who said he ran the ball too much last year they were happy to tell you how bad demarco murray was on a per carry basis with what eight carries or 10 carries in the opener like difference oh yeah go ahead and bet against demarco murray as a player guys that's real i I don't do that he's good he's really just like all the people who said ap is old like they going into the season like they were so happy to see what happened in week one like i was happy for different reasons i have no shares for one i don't want shares of ap but the bottom line is I wouldn't. I wouldn't look at what happened on Monday night with Adrian Peterson and say, "Oh yeah, that guy's done." That, that's. Just, I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah, I, s- similar thing there. I don't. I don't like the matchup quite as much, and obviously Peterson costs more. But I am not going to fade that guy anytime soon. No, it's going to take like six weeks of him looking awful before. It's going to take like a done. year and a half before I get the memo. I'm just going to keep just paying for all your guys's rakes and etc. It's a nice, it's a nice gesture on your yeah. part. Marshawn Lynch, 7,200, probably going to be in a few of my lineups if I do spend on a running back. I mean, Jeremy Hill against the Chargers, not bad at 7,400. Probably won't have much Lacey at 7,200 against Seattle. They are pretty stout against the run, even if their pass defense can be exposed right now. Mark Ingram at 5,900 kind of stands out to me as a good value when you think about just how frequently he was targeted as a pass catcher in that opener against Arizona. He's probably my number one running back on this slate here. Uh, he's definitely going to be in like 75-80% of my lineups. But uh, aside from him, I think we're going to see our highest ownership in that like five, that 5,500 to 4,500 range because uh, that's also down in the 4,500 is where they have all those the rookies, uh, Amir Abdullah and Tevin Coleman, with both of them possessing plenty of reason for optimism, I think. I mean, Coleman was criticized for not having between the tackle running ability and being just like a one trick uh you know just this this one ability to break long runs and otherwise just a cloud of dust type narrative which was wrong but uh we we saw we saw more reason to believe why it was wrong taking 20 carries for 80 steady yards against a team that had good run-stopping personnel, the Eagles. So I like Coleman's ability to go off against a defense that made Joseph Randall and Darren McFadden look kind of competent uh, last week. Really love Coleman as a prospect, as I say too many times. Uh, but yeah, Amir Abdullah, he's, he's, he's probably the lower of the two for me, but I, I like him a lot too. It's just I don't have nearly as much faith in Detroit's uh, offensive scheming and personnel management to not do something stupid because that's what they do. We mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again in case you put your headphones down to go get, you know, coffee or, or something and just left the pod running, which we appreciate because it still counts as listenership. 5100 on Carlos Hyde, almost must own at that price unless you're really trying to fade him in the tournament. But it seems like for cash game purposes, you really have to think about that uh, against Pittsburgh. Lamar Miller at 5500 is pretty interesting too. Dolphins on the road in Jacksonville. Have to think the Dolphins are playing that game with a lead throughout but at the same time, how can Joe Philbin screw this up for you? Um, the same way he always has and will probably try to again on Sunday. I don't know. It's just Lamar Miller is a guy who is probably in the top five, top 10 percentile in terms of uh, an aggregated 
a measure of size and athleticism. Like he was listed at like 224 or something on NFL.com, and he's in terms of running style, he's probably most comparable to like Felix Jones or something, just a way better version of it. But he's really good, and he he can catch the ball. He's their he's probably like their biggest running back. He's their fastest running back. I have no idea why they don't feed him, but. The, the point is, I think he's going to get some short fields because Bortles still looks horrible, and I think the Dolphins' pass defense, or not the Dolphins' pass defense necessarily, but at least the pass rush, I think, can uh, make life a little harder for Bortles, and he tends to struggle no matter what the circumstances. So if there's a short field, I like Miller's chances of getting that touchdown the first one of the year, and if not the short field, I still like his chances most times of breaking a long one um but yeah that's that's just this is not to say like i consider him a safer pick than Hyde or even a better one it's just that um when when you're if you if you're playing enough volume where you um you know get into the consideration of percentages of the players of your own he's probably someone i'm going to want a, a decent amount of exposure to yeah I, I like a lot of the chief running backs this week though bishop sankey at 4500 going on the road to cleveland i feel like that's a nice price you look a little further down Maybe Shane Vereen catches a bunch of passes against the Falcons. He's 4,200. Always I, love Woodhead. Woodhead's the guy. I mean, like, Always we, we should Woodhead. just have a separate Danny Woodhead podcast at this point. 22.2 points last week, only $4,000. The Chargers tried to come out today and say that Melvin Gordon's going to be more involved at the goal line. Let's just wait until that actually happens. I mean, like, there's no reason for that. He's not, he's not a guy who hits the hole really fast. He's a guy who, like, waits to see where the safety goes left or right. Like, that's not what you do in the red zone. Yeah. So I I think at 4,000, there's going to be a lot of Danny Woodhead ownership yet again. Ryan Matthews is only 3,600. What about Sproles? Yeah. So, Sproles. opinion on Sproles. Here's the tricky thing about Sproles for me as long as Murray and Matthews are both healthy, with that being a three man situation, even though they can do different things, I I worry about Sproles in situations where the Eagles stay close. I feel like when they're closer in games, his snap count and his targets might be a little bit lower. And I feel like Monday night's game against the Falcons was almost ideal in terms of the kind of situation where you want to use Sproles because defenses are going to drop back. You're going to want to get him the ball in space. He's going to get you 15, 20 yards at a time just by dumping it off into a screen situation. That's definitely all true. And in, even if I end, I don't even know what I think of Sproles yet uh, for this week, but if I do come to the conclusion that I want exposure to him, it would only be in tournament settings, uh, even at 3500 which is exceedingly cheap because uh, the reasons you said. But as far as potential reasons for optimism – Nelson Aguilar didn't do anything in week one and neither did Zach Ertz and they can't like keep giving Jordan Matthews like 18 targets or whatever he had in that one so um I I like I like Sproles's chances of being you know the uh the replacement plan for Macklin at least you know slightly so it's something to monitor Uh, after week one there's there were so many like anomalous conditions in that like obviously Murray is not going to have that kind of usage who knows what Matthews is going to do? Who knows what Sproles is going to do? So there's no way to know right now. But if you have the you know the bankroll, the lineup variation ability to speculate a little bit, I don't know, 3,500 point per reception. Yeah, I mean, it's full point PPR. David Johnson's only 4,200, by the way, you know, with Andre Ellington hurt. Uh, he didn't carry the ball, though, last week. They yeah, went Bruce to Chris Johnson 10 times. Why does he hate him? Because he's a rookie. He had a 55-yard touchdown he's catch a rookie. on his only touch. That touchdown didn't count. He's a rookie. Yeah, I, I guess I guess that's the case. Yeah, outcomes on the football field might mean something to you, buddy, but you got to appreciate seniority, okay? I love that matchup, though, against the Bears defense oh, yeah. at that price. So I think at least one lineup I build will probably have David Johnson. If Arians had said Chris Johnson sucks instead of Chris Johnson will be our lead 
guy or whatever he said, I would definitely be after David Johnson, but I'm just so scared of everything there. So I'm not really much of an Alfred Blue or Alfred Azul guide if you uh, are more like inclined with the Espanol. 3,700 on the road against Carolina. I just don't think that Carolina game can get out of control the way their week one matchup against the Chiefs did when the Texans really had to abandon the run to play catch up in the second half. I think the problem is that he's really bad though yeah he's not he's not a good player and like he's he's so bad that it's the kind of thing where he's, he's always going to be in like just like a finger snap away from the coach being like hey, get the other guy whatever his name is get the other guy in like uh, like a first series like, fumble exactly what happened last bench. well just not even not even that just like you know three terrible three yard runs in a row it's like try that other guy let's see what he can do like that alfred brew will, alfred blue will always be at risk of that because he just isn't very good how about Deion lewis though 3400 you have Legarrette blunt back in the new england backfield so things get a little bit more complex as far as how they're going to handle their uh their touches but lewis it's, is only 3400 and yeah. i think he's an ideal full point ppr sort of back anyway yeah he's at least on a similar plane maybe maybe he's even a better consideration than Sproles if only because we know the Vereen role was something that was while totally not predictable and totally inconsistent was still a little more consistent than the Sproles role in the Philadelphia offense last year uh but yeah and and who knows if Belichick's gonna do some kind of you're gonna have to earn your way back into the lineup to Garrett Blount kind of thing and it, and it makes sense to have Lewis actually in the game plan because Rex Ryan just loves blitzing like all 11 people at your quarterback good way to offset a blitz threat is to do shovel passes and screen passes and Lewis can do that Blount cannot so I I, I think Lewis has a totally good chance at at justifying that salary I, I there's a decent chance i'll own a little bit of him but it'll it'll be a little if i do i do like lewis a little more than sproles just based on the game flow yeah. and how i think i expect that makes sense. lewis to be used even even with the caveat that predicting new england running back usage is one of the more difficult things to try to figure out there's fewer good people there oh like, yeah that's philadelphia true. it's like ryan matthews could be an above average starter if he didn't get hurt but uh yeah with new england it's like blount and I don't think he's that good. He, we know he can't do certain things that Lewis can. So we mentioned Bilal Powell earlier. Could be the starter this week. We maybe won't know at all until yeah, it's too late, risky. unfortunately. But three thousand even for him is a really nice price against the Colts. Uh, I also saw Carlos Williams at thirty three hundred. I think that's kind of intriguing. And Duke Johnson's only thirty four hundred. You think about that matchup against the Titans. The Titans were giving up good yardage per carry to Doug Martin before the Bucks had to abandon the run because they fell so far behind. I have to wonder if Johnson, who was better on a per carry basis last week than Isaiah Crowell, if he might be able to carve out a significant role against the Titans. I don't know, man. It's just such a Mike rotten. Pettin, that team just, just sucks. They don't have any. They don't even know what they're doing. Like they they can't possibly have theorized these various things that they do every week. They just they just seem to. I don't know if it's like apathy or just like confusion, but it seems like it's all just like whatever. Well, if you get hammered on Saturday night, build one lineup with Duke Johnson in it. That's that's my that's my advice for your for your wonderful. But weekends. get drunk enough that you don't remember it, so you don't feel as bad Sunday. When so so Sunday morning when you see it, you don't undo it. You that's, can't blame yourself if you don't remember. Looking at the receiver position, Julio Jones at eighty nine hundred. I think I'm still going to pay up and have oh, him yeah. a few places. I'm, I love that he was he was like limited this week in some of the things that I've done. Some other DFS scenarios where like lineups locked on Thursday and people were scared off because he wasn't practicing. Yeah, I'm yeah. waving my arms around in victory here. <laughs> you are feeling really good. It looks like he'll be just fine. Yeah, he's ready for that match. I think they might have declared him probable actually. 
Um, even even better. Yeah, he's probable. He's going to kill. Antonio Brown, 8,800. Beckham, 8,800. After a game in which he was targeted eight times, and Eli Manning threw it more than 30 times, what was Ben McAdoo thinking? Or was this the result of Beckham kind of getting concussed but not actually being diagnosed with a concussion? Oh, I, I missed that. Can he we... got drilled in the head. I oh, mean, he no. got crushed. But he, he kind of avoided the the concussion protocol for a little while, and they still put him through it, I guess, and he was cleared to return. But 8,800, still expensive coming off a very disappointing week one. I'm, I have a, the slightest soft spot for the Cowboys just because I'm a huge Tony Romo fan, but I'm also a huge Odell fanboy, so that I'm really angry at them for that. Don't, no one hurt Odell, please. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not worried about him. He's, he's so good. He's so, so good. And Atlanta has Desmond Trufant, who uh, is, is by any account one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So that that's a little bit of a concern, but I just I, I don't it, the game obviously the rules of this game favor the receivers more than the defensive backs, and I just can't see Odell losing twice in a row. Basically, I mean, look at the volume Jordan Matthews got. I know the Eagles had to throw a lot in the second half because of the way that game was playing out, but I think you can still produce pretty good numbers against the Falcons regardless of that matchup for Odell Beckham. Kelvin Johnson, 8,200 against the Vikings. We talked about him earlier. A.J. Green, still discounted, 7,500. Dropped the touchdown pass against the Raiders as well. I, I like the deflated price on him. We mentioned DeAndre Hopkins maybe is an underrated player. 24, or I should say 7,400 after going off for 32.8 points in the opener. Mallet versus Hoyer, does that actually bump up Hopkins' value, or has he just proven himself to be somewhat uh, immune to bad quarterback play? I have no idea. I mean, I do... Th- to, to answer like kind of clearly Hopkins is an elite receiver to me I just it's hard to tell what that game is going to be so ugly the clock might run out quickly because both teams run about run a bunch uh not particularly well a lot of punts a lot of just disruption in both offenses I don't know how well I don't know what that does to a receiver like Hopkins he obviously only needs one deep pass because he's got such strong hands and he just rips the ball out of the air and he's 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 not like a burner, but he's he slashes once he gets the ball, and he's hard to catch. So love Hopkins as a player. He's just he's awesome. But uh, at seventy four hundred, like I'm definitely taking Mike Evans straight up instead. Uh, at least most of the time, the vast majority of the time, and a little bit lower in this list here. Jordan Matthews is always going to be a consideration for me if he's below like eight thousand because I I'm pretty confident within a month he's going to be over eight thousand um like every week regardless of matchup because he's the the target volume and he's just he's good the chip kelly number one receiver role pays we know this uh but yeah there's gonna be a i don't know whether a lot of people are going to target the uh you know the heavily favorited saints a lot this week uh despite the disappointing showing in week one by brandon cooks but seven thousand for brandon cooks and ppr like this this is a really good week to go after cooks i think pretty wild home road splits i think for that that Saints team too you just expect them to perform so much better when they're at home so Cooks at 7,000 is definitely a consideration for me and uh, I'm looking at some of the other depth options I mean Marcus Colston at 5,400 kind of a uh, maybe a lightly owned play I just don't think people like him anymore but he's still pretty efficient on a per target basis yeah I just I don't know what to make of that I I don't think the Saints figured out I don't think the Saints knew what they were doing on offense this offseason I think they had this vague idea like oh we'll make it more back a more uh, backfield oriented take some pressure off of Breeze etc but they never actually answered some of the questions that they brought upon themselves by shipping out Jimmy Graham so um anyway 
I I don't have a lot of faith in Colston, but in that similar price range, I I think you have to like uh, a little bit of action on Larry Fitzgerald and John Brown, uh, at least until Michael Floyd does something tangible, because Brown, really good player. Uh, Fitzgerald still looks really good, I think. If Palmer's on the field, like that passing game is functional. Like we know that, and that that secondary does not have the personnel to deal with those two. So, like both of them a little bit. I think they're totally reasonably priced. I don't. Know, I think it's one of those things where I might just kind of like split the action on them, pretty fifty fifty for on whatever basis I get any Cardinals uh, receivers. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Though you mentioned before, you're pretty confident in Aaron Rodgers for this week. You got Randall Cobb at seventy four hundred. Then you got to drop down quite a bit to find his other pass catchers. Forty nine hundred is the price for Devonte Adams, and forty seven hundred is the price for James Jones how do you see those targets being distributed and which of those Packers receivers if any are you investing in this week man I don't know it's hard but I kind of like both Cobb and Adams as tournament types because the scariest thing in the Seattle secondary is obviously Richard Sherman Richard Sherman has tended to not do as well against small fast receivers uh than he has against big receivers that he can hold and get away with holding uh I don't know if Randall Cobb is the kind of guy he can get his hands on. We know he couldn't get his hands on T.Y. Hilton. Cobb isn't that fast, but he's also a more rugged, like better in traffic kind of player than T.Y. Hilton is. Uh, so, yeah, I, I feel like there's there's room for both of them to do something. And all it, all it takes for Adams to really you know meet value is you know catch like four passes for 56 yards and one back shoulder touchdown you know curl route which is super easy to have that happens all the time in green bay i think i've that i've heard that happens there but uh yeah so those two i don't really know otherwise i mean i might like richard rogers a little bit in some minimal tournament exposure just because uh seattle tends to not do that great with tight ends relative to how they do against receivers and cam chancellor being out obviously makes things a bit different the guy that they replaced cam chancellor with Dion bailey is is slow and converted linebacker well he was a safety in college but he's just slow he's like a four seven guy he's not quick he's like he's like a slippery kind of smooth athlete but he just can't create range so i i like the ability of green bay to split uh the seam there maybe that's maybe if cobb's running from the slot all game i like his chances of doing quite well for himself how about Pierre Garçon at 5,000 even? Of course, Deshaun Jackson down, like you mentioned before. We were talking about Jordan Reed. Home matchup against St. Louis. I don't want to put too much on that Washington passing attack, but in a full-point PPR setting as you have on DraftKings, 5,000 seems like a pretty fair price for him. Yeah, I think I think you were in the office with me like two years ago or whenever it was, and this still like kind of gives me a bias with Pierre Garcon to this day. But we we both thought he was a tight end, but he looked fast. We were like, "Who's that fast tight end? Yeah. Is that Fred Davis?" And I was like, I was like, "Oh, it's Pierre like, Garcon. oh, that's Garcon. What the heck? Um, that's weird." Anyway, so yeah, I, I still have this like like really stubborn part of me deep down that's like Garcon's really fast. Pick him and. I I never do it though because I hate Washington's quarterbacks so much. But maybe this is a good week to do it. I mean, caught six passes last week. That's that's pretty good. Um, I haven't seen his. T- I gotta look up his target number. This this could be this could be an illuminating moment here that I never would have otherwise, you know, come across. Derek, um, let me see. I yeah, like it. Yeah, I mean, with Deshaun Jackson out, that's that's a pretty good chance at like a sustained role there and he probably is pretty good it's just such a bad situation he's been playing in there 
yeah, I'll have to do more research on that, but I'll say now in play, just not sure to what extent, really. How about a Stevie Johnson encore? Forty two hundred price is still low. Terrence Williams also at forty two hundred. Yeah, I was actually I was gonna mention Terrence Williams is for sure. Like he's the Devontae Adams of this week. And even though I got burned going with I only went with Devontae Adams in cash game lineups and it, it turned out to not burn me because he luckily was owned like forty percent of the time, which was kind of what I was banking on. Um I'm probably going to do the exact same thing with Terrence Williams this week. I don't think he's very good. I at least he's not consistent. But he does have just like the just right combination of size and athleticism to make big plays every once in a while. And I think Romo is an amazing player. So I, I like that matchup quite a bit. It's it's it, Romo did really well on the road last year. The Eagles can obviously push the scoreboard pressure. Hopefully that means more pass attempts for Romo, which would mean more targets for Williams. But the rest of the Cowboys receivers are just terrible. Like maybe the worst in the league behind uh, Des Bryant, because uh, like Cole Beasley is just uh, he he's worth actually uh, Cole Beasley is worth uh, considering in DFS. He's only thirty three hundred on cheap. here. Yeah, he's um, giving him away. Yeah, he's I'm I cannot stand Cole Beasley, but I'll probably pick him a little bit um, on DraftKings. Maybe going to be. Maybe going to be my millionaire. Uh, Could be the guy, sh- sugar daddy. What Cole if he Beasley. helps? You, what if he helps you win the millie? I'll, uh, I'll say sorry to him on Twitter. Yeah, that's the best way to go about it. I think the Twitter apology for yeah. something that he doesn't even realize. You know, he, it's happening. He has a history on Twitter. He doesn't normally get such good interactions with fans, so I think he'll be quite gracious about it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so Terrence Williams love him at forty two hundred. Uh, I don't like Stevie Johnson that much, if only because he's going to be such a trendy play. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting. Like the, Terrence Williams is the clear Devontae Adams of week two relative to week one. But I think Stevie Johnson might still get more ownership just because people are going to the recency bias. Like, well, Adams didn't do anything last week. Stevie Johnson's a proven commodity. It's nice to see that God is back on Stevie Johnson's side, though, after that drop in overtime against the Steelers a few years ago. I know they had a pretty big falling out on Twitter. So it's you hate just... to see that, so it is good to see him get into the good graces of uh, the Divine One. I want to see the, road, the Roadwire headline, Stevie Johnson, colon, right with God. No longer hellbound. <laughs> Things are good in Stevie Johnson's world. Dante Moncrief, 4,600. I want to mention him only because you think about Darrell Revis. How are the Jets going to match him up? Which receiver do they try to take away with Revis? If they somehow think that Andre Johnson is the guy that they need to put Revis on, I think that leaves Dante Moncrief and Philip Dorsett as very interesting plays this week. Yeah, I I have no idea how the, how the Jets are going to handle that. Todd Bowles is, generally strikes me as a smart coach who consistently has an edge because He's less dumb than other coaches. He's smarter than the other coaches. Yeah, so uh, I don't know why he would fall for that bait of Andre Johnson. Like Dante Dante Moncrief is better, and he's he's so much like he's, actually I don't know if if even if Revis is on Moncrief at that price, I might still eh, forty six hundred. I guess that's testing me a little bit. We've but, found a lot of quality options that are priced in here where it. it, it it's tough to own Moncrief not knowing how they want to match up Revis. Yeah, it really that really is hard. Uh, I, I I really like Moncrief as a pro, as a prospect though. I think he's going to have some huge NFL seasons. I, th- I think he can be like a you know peak Miles Austin type, who is really good. P- people don't remember it because it was kind of brief due to injury, but Miles Austin used to be really good, and they have very similar height, weight, speed dimensions. 
But yeah, that's if Revis is not on Moncrief, whoever owns him might look like a genius. I'm just not sure I'm smart enough to do that. Yeah, I, I think it's it's also a situation too where you know that Dorset's not going to get Revis, and he's even cheaper. So if you really want to go mm. like kind of away from the pack potentially, 3,300 for Philip Dorset could go. be worth your while. It takes is just one big play, and he certainly has the speed. He had two catches to make for that. 45 last week. How so. many targets was it? Um, I don't actually know. It's like four or five, I thought I saw previously when I looked into it. I mean, Brandon, you, Brandon Coleman, thirty three hundred Saints Bucks. No, I don't know. I just don't think he's very good. I I I thought that was just kind of a garbage touchdown last week, and I, I, asking for consecutive weeks of garbage touchdowns might be a, a bit greedy. That that might be a little bit too much. Let's move on over to the tight end position. Most weeks, I just pay up for Gronk. This week against Buffalo, I'm just not quite sure. I want to go that route. What are you going to do with the tight end spot? Love Gronk. Normally, I don't even. I normally just actually don't think about tight end. I normally just click Gronk, keep going. But this week, I think I'm not going to go after Eifert very much. I I think Eifert is a all pro type talent. Really like him, but I'm not sure how he'll do in after a game of such you know complete like he's he's on everyone's radar now there they he was probably marginalized in the scheming of the raiders last week won't be the case with san diego but we got let's see there's reed who we mentioned if he's in 3700 is awfully cheap for a guy with probable double digit targets and uh the the other one is witten 4300 he's probably going to get a target increase uh i would i can just too easily imagine him doing something like nine catches for like 61 yards or something completely gross and ill-advised in efficiency terms but just because dallas's receivers are so bad he might he might do something like that where romo's just forced to give him these like five yard curl you know just to get get away from the pressure but i'm probably going to get most of my action with Greg Olson, I think. I love Greg Olson. 4,900 against that defense that just got shredded by Travis Kelsey in week one. Right, and I'm hoping, like, maybe maybe people aren't as fickle as I cynically conclude that they are, but maybe people aren't going to pick him very much after a dud week one when he was a very, very trendy cash game target. So I think he has both cash and tournament appeal this week by a, a pretty good, you know, I, I feel really good about him this week. Ebron at 3,300 is sort of an interesting tournament option, too. He's a little bit cheaper. I'm curious to see if he can do some work against that Minnesota defense. And maybe even Heath Miller at 3,500. I mean, think about yeah. that offense. Marcus Wheaton, Darius Hayward-Bay, for me, fall behind Miller. It's kind of Brown, Miller, and then the other receivers when you're trying to figure out how those targets are going to be distributed for the Steelers. Yeah, I really – there's there's a bunch of good tight ends. I mean, like week one, there week one must have been like some kind of record in terms of tight end production. No, no, I don't know if anyone's done the research on that, but I can't believe that's ever happened. I mean, Safarian Jenkins, Ladarius Green, guys we haven't even talked about yet on this episode. Guys who were ranked off. like 17 and 18 in the tight end rankings just had, you know, Gronk numbers. It was crazy. Even Witten had two touchdowns, and he never scores touchdowns. But uh, in this range, I think Zach Ertz is a worthwhile like tournament consideration at 3,600. Uncertain role, but uh, you know Jordan Matthews is going to get so much attention. Then Chip Kelly can probably pull some kind of trickery that leaves Dallas looking stupid. Someone's going to get wide open with a stupid-looking touchdown on the Eagles this week. Uh, I don't know who it'll be. Probably Sproles or Ertz or Aguilar, but we don't know who. But yeah, Ertz is in play. Ladarius Green at 3,500. This is this is a frustrating one too because I I love Ladarius Green so much as a prospect. I, I for years I've been waiting for last week and it finally happened. 
and the, the thing is, I'm not sure that the Chargers are smart enough to not voluntarily do something else that makes less sense because that's what they do. They do stupid things like that with Ladarius Green, Malcolm Floyd. All right. Yeah, like we really gotta we gotta get some Eddie Royal targets this one. Like, sure, Ladarius Green is faster than him at six five two fifty or whatever, and he has these awesome per target numbers. And he dominated in college, playing at Lafayette, even going against like SEC schools, he put up big numbers. It's like, but we might want to we might want to keep him on special teams mostly. So that's that's my fear there. But if, if if you could guarantee me eight targets for Green, I'd put like every single DFS cent that I have in play on him certainly makes sense just given uh the physical tools that you mentioned take a look quickly at the defense and special teams considerations last week it was just jets for me everywhere and it worked out in a pretty big way price range is pretty narrow overall i mean the most expensive the dolphins it kind of makes sense to pay up i think yeah dolphins 3300 against blake bortles probably be reasonably heavy owned uh, i think you get the rams on the road against washington at 3100 not bad there either 2900 ravens will probably be the highest owned yeah ravens. i don't even know if i can convince myself to try to fade it at all like there yeah you can go like 200 more for a totally comparable one but that's still 200 you know like yeah, it's still Suggs- a stupid defense the suggsless ravens at 2900 against Derek. Carr all right you, you convince me i'm fading it because there's no suggs yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm paying up for uh, what am I paying up for? the the Dolphins? I don't care, whatever. Thirty three hundred's cheap, so I think the Dolphins are a good way to go too. I was a little surprised they didn't do more damage in Week One uh, against Kirk Cousins and company. I guess Kirk in, Cousins in Washington. is just good. Yeah, I guess I guess he is He's a good quarterback. Well, good luck in Week Two with the Millie Maker with your other DraftKings contest. Thanks for listening to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. You can also check out our site for free. Go to rotowire.com/pod. No credit card required. Nick and I will be back with you on Monday.